Thanks, Desi. Good morning, all. We're going to continue this morning in our series of character studies over the uh, holiday break. Bit difficult sometimes when uh, you contemplate doing a character study uh, because if you're given a if you're given a major character like Samuel, uh, it's a bit hard to do in 20 minutes. But I'm going to try. All right? I mean, you know, I would struggle even if I had a normal amount of time to do to do it. But anyway, we'll have a go. Now, Samuel is a brilliant character in the Old Testament. Um, where where you find Samuel in the Old Testament, there's some fantastic stories. You know, King David, Saul, and the, the issues that they had. There's David and Goliath. All those great stories that we know really well. However, the reason I asked for this reading is to point out to you the situation that Israel, God's people, found themselves in and Samuel's role in their lives. Very, very important. You see, we read together, didn't we, at the start that in those days the word of the Lord, right, the word of the Lord in those days was rare. In other words, not much was coming from heaven, nothing from God. And it said uh, there were not many visions. Now, brothers and sisters, it wasn't because God had nothing to say. All right? That wasn't the reason. It was the reason that the relationship between God and his people wasn't as it ought to be. And that's very relevant to us today, isn't it? Because that sometimes happens to us, as Sam has already mentioned. So what Samuel has to say is very important because we read together, didn't we, that that God was going to use Samuel and through Samuel, through Samuel's words, would come the very words of God. You've got to remember that, all right? Because not only do we get fantastic stories from the book of Samuel, brothers and sisters, there are some amazing passages of Scripture that come from Samuel as well. We'll look at a couple of them today. And not only that, but the information that God gives Samuel to give to his people, all of it, every single word, is relevant to you and to me today. Nothing has changed. And that's really interesting. I hope you keep that in your mind as we go through this. So Samuel... Samuel, uh, I, I didn't know what to, what to title the, the sermon. I was just asked to speak about Samuel. So I put it down, God's man, because when I read the book of Samuel and look at him, that's what he is. Right from the moment he was conceived, not born, but conceived, Leslie. You see, the name Samuel means God has heard. Now, if you know the story, we didn't read it, I'll just very quickly mention it to you, that Samuel was conceived by Hannah, who was barren. She couldn't have children. And she prayed to the Lord earnestly, year after year after year, that he would give her a child. And he would, he would, he would, he would, he would, and then she would consecrate this child to, to God. In other words, give him over to full-time service into, into God's ministry. 
So Samuel was a result of an answer to Hannah's prayer. That's why his name is God, Samuel, God has heard. Now, he's a major character in the Bible. He wrote the book of Judges, which is a couple of books before Numbers. And, and many of the biblical scholars uh, attribute a lot of First Samuel to Samuel's writings, or if not, that's where the, uh, the source of the information comes from. Because we read in, in the book of Samuel that Samuel wrote a lot of stuff. You know, he wrote things down and there was meant a lot of stuff recorded. So, very quickly, a miracle birth. Uh, we had, uh, he was an answer to God's prayer. He was the last judge. You know, you know in, in, the, in the period of Israel's history, there was a huge number, about 500 years, where Israel was ruled, you know, governed by judges, people that were called judges. And he was the last of that, of that group, the last judge. And he, and he, he probably was uh, the most effective judge in all of that 500 years of governing the people well and keeping them uh, in good relationship with God. He was also the, the first to appoint the first two, the, the one to appoint the first two kings of Israel, King Saul and King David, which we'll have a quick look at as well this morning. Interestingly, he's known as the first of the prophets. Now that's interesting because there was a few prophets beforehand. But when it's referred to that in Acts, it's, it's refers to when, when Israel and God set up a, a, a special group of people called the prophets, who were the, the, the people that, that taught the, the things of God to the people of God. And we read that Samuel was the first of those. So that's very important for us to remember this morning as we see some of the things that Samuel said. He was also a priest. Now, that's unusual to have a prophet and a priest. We read in Psalm 99 that he was a prayer warrior. You know, it says there that Moses and Aaron and Samuel were the ones that God heard their prayers and spoke to them. He was mentioned there with Moses, Aaron and then Samuel. Very important man. And you know, there are only seven people in the whole of the Bible, right? Big book. Seven people that have been called by God by name into his service. Only seven. Samuel's one of them. <laughs> it was very definite, wasn't it, that he was called by God in the reading that we had this morning. So that's a very, very quick bio of, um, of uh, Samuel. And I'm not going to sit down, Okay. The character study. What's a character study? A character study means that it's an, an analysis of, of a, or a portrayal of the traits of a character of an individual. Now, I haven't got time to go through the character of Samuel. There's just not enough time this morning. You know, there are people who have written books. I've got a couple of books at home. One of them's this thick on Samuel, the man. But I am going to take a few moments this morning to look at two very important traits uh, of Samuel which are applicable to everyone in this room and everyone watching and every Christian that's alive today. First of all, what we read of what we know about Samuel, which is very important, 
not just to me or to you, but to God, is that he was obedient. Samuel was obedient. And when you look at the book of Samuel, and I urge you, if you've got time this afternoon, have a read through the book of Samuel. It's a great book to read. That's what comes out. Samuel was obedient to God. If you turn with me to chapter 15, this is one of the uh, things that we read in the book of Samuel. And this is, this is, this is uh, the message that Samuel conveyed to the first king of Israel, King Saul. King Saul, you know, made a few errors, a few mistakes. And, and Sam, it says in verse 22, But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the voice of the Lord? How's that? There's an insight on God, isn't it? What is it that God requires from you, me, from Saul, from Samuel, from his people? What does he require? And Samuel says very clearly, this is what he got from God. It says to obey. To obey is better than sacrifice. There's nothing you and I could do that would please God more than to obey him. Absolutely nothing. Samuel, when you look at his his whole life, he listened. He listened to God. Now, it's good to listen. It really is good to listen. I listen to my wife every time she talks to me. <laughs> you know what's coming next, don't you? Yeah. It's a different thing, isn't it, Morris, to obey? But that's what Samuel did. He listened intently to the voice of God. And what you see when you read through his life is that he obeyed every instruction, even the unpleasant things that God asked him to do and convey, even the things that Samuel grieved about, he obeyed. Sometimes when I read the scriptures, brothers and sisters, I read things there that God requires of me. I'm not happy about. I don't like it, Sandra. I don't like it. But I'm really old now, aren't I? I'm not as young as you. At 63, I have come to learn that, uh, you know, it's better to obey than disobey God. Absolutely. Not because God zaps me because I don't do the right thing. Because I've learnt that the wisdom of God's words are for my benefit. And sometimes I don't like it. Sometimes it's like a medicine, isn't it? like a treatment. But it's for my best, my, my, my benefit and blessing. And you know, the thing about Samuel that I really appreciate, because I struggle with this sometimes, is that he was, he was faithful in executing all the things that God asked Samuel, not just to do himself, but to tell the people of God, to execute the instructions that God had given. Because we read, didn't we, that, that the words for Samuel in chapter 3 there, actually in chapter 4, verse 1, the words, Samuel's word came to all Israel. They were for the people of God. 
And so sometimes, you know, when somebody asks me a question about the scriptures or about God or what's happening in the world, how did God allow things, I struggle to tell them what I know the word says because they're not going to like it. They're not going to like me saying it to them. I'll probably get an argument. It's lucky that Samuel was not like me. God had a faithful servant in Samuel. He, he executed what God asked him to say. And another thing about Samuel that you, un, that you read and you see in his life is that he understood. This is, this has happened to me of, of later years. He's under, he understood what God required from his people, from his servant. And that's very important for you and me today. Very important. Samuel knew just how important obedience was, obedient was to God. He lived it out and God then used him mightily for the glory of God and the blessing of others. Now that, that, to me that, that's, says that if I'm obedient to God and I, and I live it out to the best of my ability, then God will use me. Because you see, we read, didn't we, that it had been a long time since there were any visions in Israel. It's been a long time since God spoke to the people of God. And if we had had time and read the first two chapters, we would have seen the condition that Israel, God's people, were in. So, unless we obey, unless we, we do what God asks us to do, we can't enjoy his blessing. You know, the word obey or its derivative is in 1 Samuel 10 times. It's a lot in one book because it's very important. It's, in fact, it's critical. Critical to the Christian life, critical to the glorification of God. It's critical to the blessing of others, absolutely critical. And you know that little phrase that, that I read to you where, where we, in chapter 15, where to obey is better than sacrifice, that's in the Bible ten times. Because it's important. You know, there are some very important scriptures that we hold dear that only, only, only happen, only come up once or twice in the Bible. But this comes up ten times. Now, was Samuel saying that sacrifice or service to God is not important? Absolutely not. He was a priest. And God had set up a, a, a system of worship that required sacrifices. In fact, Saul ignored those things and tried to do things his own way and got into an awful lot of bother. In fact, he lost his, lost his, uh, his kingship over it. So there was important. Sacrifice is important. But what, what that, that scripture is telling us and what Samuel was told by God, he says our attitude is more important to God. Our heart is more important. Our, the reasons we do things for God are more important than the actual things that we do. Absolutely what God is saying. You see, there's a, there's a disobedient heart. And a contrite heart. And a disobedient heart decides they're going to do things its own way. And a contrite heart is what God looks at 
And that's another, another little verse that we get or a story that we get out of Samuel. Remember when, when David, King David was, was to be anointed, Jesse's son. You know, poor old Samuel thought, you know, oh, the tallest, the strongest of Jesse's sons, you know, the best looking one, the most popular one. It wasn't, was it? It was the last son, the smallest, the youngest, out looking after the sheep. It was David. And we get caught up with that story. We think, good on, good on you, David. But what do we learn from God? What do we learn about God from that story? And in verse 16 of 1 Samuel, uh, chapter 16, verse 7, it says that God doesn't look on the outward appearance like man does. But God looks on what? The heart, the attitude, the reason, the contrite heart, the, the, the heart that, that responds to the voice of God. And Samuel was saying that self-will never, ever trumps God's will. And there's a consequence for living that way. And then the second thing about Samuel that I want you to pay attention to, the second character trait, is that he was a first commandment kind of guy. Yeah? A first commandment kind of guy. What do you mean, Raph? Speak English. Alright? Here's what he was. What's the first commandment? Love the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. We teach that to the little ones in Sunday school, uh, kids church. I'm going to ask you to turn to Samuel chapter 12 with me for a few moments. A couple of scriptures in there, in that chapter I want you to have a look at. Oh, chapter 8 first, sorry, my mistake, chapter 8. Wondering why it didn't make sense. Have a listen to this. Now this is, this is near the end of Saul's uh, Samuel's period of being a judge. He would have been at least 60. He'd been a judge for 40 years. Very good judge. Right? And this is, this is, this, this is, this is after they've decided to, uh, they, you know, they, they want a king. Have a listen to this. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as judges for Israel, the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. And they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you're old. You're old. And your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all other nations have. When they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. And he chucked a hissy fit and he said, I'm not... No, he didn't do anything like that, did he? What does the word of God say? He said, it says there, and he prayed to the Lord. This is the sort of man that he was. Because if they had said that to me, (laughs) 
I wouldn't have gone to my little prayer room and, and had it said a little prayer. And I don't think there'd be many of us that would have the same attitude as, as, um, as, as, as uh, Samuel. But have a, have a look what else it says. And the Lord says to Samuel, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you that they've rejected. And don't forget that it was Samuel was called by God and placed in that position of judge and priest and given the words of God to give to the people. It was God that did all that. He says, it's not you that they've rejected. It's me. God's what God said. They have rejected me as their king. And he says, and then God in his grace says, now listen to them, warn them solemnly and, and let them know what a king who will reign over them will do. I, I, I love the way God deals with his people. God wasn't angry and vengeful because the people had rejected him as king. Ignoring his servant now, putting him, pushing him aside because he'd gotten old. But he wanted to, to know what it would be like. And if you, if you read the rest of that chapter, God gives, um, uh, Samuel a whole list of things, what it would be like to have a human king reign over them. Not just Saul, the future kings. And we get to verse 19, it says, But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us like all the other nations. And God says, uh, he says, listen to them, give them a king. So when we get to chapter 12, there's another little uh, uh Thing that I'd like you to think about is that there's a there's a little phrase that's often uh, used: God's permissive will. Now I'd love to spend a few Sundays talking to you about that. Be a great Sunday lunch dinner table conversation. What does it mean? God's permissive will. Did God tick off on them wanting a king? Oh, not really. Not really. He says, okay, if that's what they want, they can have it. It's not what they, what God wanted, but he allowed it. It's really interesting. The subject of God's permissive will. And so God permitted them to transfer the governance of the nation of Israel from a theocracy where God and his servant tell them what to do to a monarchy where they have a king and the king tells them what to do. And so we get to chapter 12, which is the, the, the last day, the last day of Samuel's reign as a judge. I'm just going to read you a couple of verses here. Samuel said to all of Israel, this verse 1 of chapter 12, I have listened to everything you have said to me uh, and have set a king over you. Now you have a king as your leader. As for me, I am old and grey and my sons are with me, uh, are here with you. Uh, I have been your leader from my youth until this day. Here I stand. Testify against me in the presence of, the, of his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whose, whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? And he goes on. 
You see, Samuel was blameless. And, you know, he, he said, I want, I want you to tell me what it is that, that there is a problem with you have with me. Well, is there a, what was the problem? Before I go. And they said, uh, where is it? Uh, and they say, oh, I've lost my, I've lost my place. Verse four. Sorry? Verse 4. Verse 4. Oh, yes, there it is. There, sorry. Uh, you have not cheated us or oppressed us, they replied. You have not taken anything from anyone's hand. Samuel was not just blameless, but he was a man of integrity as well. Because it goes on in that chapter to talk about how, how he told them all the things that God asked them to, asked him to tell them and teach them. And he, as God's mouthpiece, he was very faithful. And he did all that because he loved God above all things. His own welfare, his sons, his position, all, all those things. And what impresses me most about this man is his desire to do what's good and right before God. Because, brothers and sisters, I try and do that. And it's hard to do that. It's hard to do that every day. It really is hard. So I appreciate it. And instead of walking off in a huff, listen to what Samuel has to say. Listen to verse 13. Now here is your, the king you have chosen, the one you asked for. See, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve and obey him and do not rebel against his commands... And if both you and the king who reigns over you follow the Lord your God, good. So that's really important, isn't it? The Samuel is encouraging them to follow after the king if he's following after the things of God. But, and there's always a but, and here it is, but, verse 15, but if you do not obey... There's that word again. If you do not obey the Lord and if you rebel against his commands, his hand will be against you as it was against your fathers. And then in verse 20, he goes on. Here is a man who who not only loves God, but he loves God's people. And I love you guys. I really do. And I have to tell you these things. I know sometimes some of the stuff that comes from up here isn't very popular to hear, but I make it a great point to show you that it's from the Scriptures. It's not my opinion. Have a listen to what Samuel says here, to the verse, verse 20. He says, he says, Don't be afraid, Samuel replied. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn away from the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Even, even reflecting back on all that they've done against God and all the nasty things that they said about Samuel unjustly, 
how they didn't want him, the rejection he must have felt. This is, this is, this is his encouragement. And in verse 23, here is a broken-hearted servant of God who loves God's people, who dedicated his life to, their, to them. It says in verse 23, As for me, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you, and I will teach you the way that is good and right. He's not giving up on them. He loves them because they're God's people. Not that they're beautiful or they're rich or they're influential or he wants any favours from them. He loves them because they're God's people. That's why I love you. Hmm? hope that's why you love me. Samuel went on to have great influence. See, that's only, that's only chapter 13. There's a lot more in 1 Samuel. And he goes on as the, as the prophet, as the spiritual leader of the people of God. He's not, he's not in government anymore. And he plays a great role in the lives of two kings. So, time's up. What's the take-home lessons for you and me? There's four of them, really quick. First one, God has expectations from his people. Always had been. He had expectations from the first two people, Adam and Eve. Don't eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He had expectations of his people that he chose himself. The nation of Israel, we've been going through, we went through all last year in the book of Isaiah, seeing that. I think we're going to keep going this year, but in spite of that, we have seen that God had expectations of his people. And in Montmorency in 2022, God has expectations of his people to worship, to glorify him, to serve him. Last week, Josh told us that uh, God expects us to forgive, commands us to forgive. So there are expectations that God has from his people, always had. Number two, God requires us, his people, to meet those expectations. It's not just a set of rules up on, up on, up on the screen that you follow or you forget about. It's no matter who you are, whether you're a, a ruler like a king, uh, a teacher like Samuel, uh, church leaders like the elders that we read about in, 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 uh, in Israel, the leaders of, of the people of God, or just the common folk. Did you notice all had requirements to meet, God's requirements to meet, no exceptions, and they were all expected to meet. Number three, we have choices to obey or not to obey. God's not silly. He knows that. We read about that just then. Samuel said to them, if you choose to obey, if you choose to disobey, there's a choice. And that's okay. It's great to have choices. But have you noticed in life, with every choice that we make, no matter what it is, there's a consequence. Sometimes it's good, often it's bad, but every choice, you know, I made a choice the other day to open up my third box of lint chocolates. There's a consequence. 
the scales, the scales, and but the, and, and it's a universal rule, isn't it? A rule, I should say, a universal rule that with every choice that we make, there's a repercussion. And number four, obedience is better than sacrifice. Always, always, brothers and sisters, sisters, do it God's way. That's what Samuel teaches us. We see, we see both. We see an obedient servant and we see disobedient servants in the book of Samuel. Always do it God's way. You know, sometimes God's way, you might think, doesn't make sense. I used to think like that when I was a young believer. Some of us may think, you know, that's old fashioned. Been doing it for 30, 40, 50, hundreds of years, hundreds of years, Sam, we've been doing it. Time for a change. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes church leaderships and church and God's people thinks, you know what, I think there's a better way. I know God said we should do it like this, but I think, Morris, I think there's a better way. Or maybe a more efficient one. The lesson that we learn from the man Samuel is obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. May the Lord bless this uh, short look in Samuel's life.